Hi, I'm Billy Branham. Welcome to Closer Look. If you have a chronic illness or live with constant pain, can you still do things and go places and have a happy life? Yes. My Closer Look guests help people embrace the challenges of their diagnosis. They also educate friends and family who might not understand the realities of chronic illness. And they even have advice for caretakers. Joining me is Susan Rodriguez, a practicing licensed clinical social worker at Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City, and executive director and co-founder of Chronic Joy Ministry, Pamela Piquette. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. Thank you for inviting us. We're quite honored. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. What classifies as a chronic illness? Pam, we can start with you. Well, it's it's really any physical illness, mental illness, and pain that persists for a long time. That includes disability. But ultimately, it affects every aspect of life. Faith, family, finances, friendships, education, hobbies, employment, and marriage. And Susan, from your clinical perspective? So... A chronic illness is usually a long-term, it's known as a long-term condition, broadly speaking. It lasts for one year or more, and it's usually diagnosed by your specialist or your primary care doctors. These conditions, they typically cannot be cured for the most part. Some chronic conditions can be treated, however, and they are manageable, such as diabetes, for example, as long as you get the proper medical care and treatment and you live a healthy lifestyle, which is really important. What are some causes of chronic illnesses? Sure. So some chronic illnesses can be caused, for example, by hereditary components, such as if your family members, there's a family history of, let's say, high blood pressure, diabetes, lung condition, or heart disease, or inflammatory arthritis, for example, um, you may be predisposed to having that condition. There are also other risk factors involved with chronic conditions. And sometimes some of my patients have had very unhealthy behaviors, such as long-term tobacco use, chronic alcohol use, and living unhealthy lifestyles, such as poor nutrition and lack of physical activity also contribute. And Pam, how common is this? Well, that's an interesting question because most people don't realize the significant number. Um, Currently, the statistic says that 60% of the population worldwide lives with one or more chronic illnesses. That's not including mental illness, which often the statistics, people are more stigmatized by that. So it's really only 20%, but that's still a lot of folks. And then if you think about it, caregiving plays a part in there. So if you aren't one who has an illness, you're likely caring for someone who is. So really, if you start looking at it, chronic illness really affects almost all of us because either we have illness or someone we love does. And Susan, I'd like to ask you this. Are chronic pain and chronic illness the same thing? It's interesting because they typically, they do go hand in hand, um, although they are considered two separate categories. However, in my experience work in the medical setting with chronically ill adults, I find that they do go hand in hand for the most part. For example, if someone has a condition such as fibromyalgia, they technically are suffering from a chronic illness that leads and creates ongoing pain. What do you think is the biggest misconception involving chronic illnesses? In my experience working with patients that have chronic illnesses, one major theme that comes up is that they feel that they're looked at as being lazy and not wanting to work. 
that is one of the major ones that have come up. Like, you know, my family thinks I just want to be home all day. Like, no, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to work. I'm a professional. Many are licensed and, and many are have whole degrees, many of my patients and the patients I've you know, worked with in the past and they have contributed to society and they want to continue doing that. And sometimes their condition may be debilitating and they may not be able to, and their family members, again, may not understand that or their friends, and they may be viewed as just being lazy. That's oftentimes what I've noticed in my experience is an area that patients may struggle with having to explain that to others. That's one one misconception. Another one is that they don't look like they're in pain or that they have a chronic medical condition. That's also a major one because sometimes they may say things like, oh, people say that I look great. Well, I may look great on the outside because I take care of myself because this helps me with my mental health, getting dressed nice, fixing my hair, putting on perfume or makeup helps them feel better. It doesn't mean that they feel better. It helps them feel better emotionally. Their chronic condition may not be visible. Sometimes some chronic conditions are visible if it affects their skin, for example, or if they're not able to walk, right? But this isn't always the case with chronic conditions. I'm glad that you brought up fibromyalgia. Some family members or friends may doubt or even question someone who has a chronic illness. Even though awareness is growing, how can someone handle those kinds of situations? Yeah, and in my experience, I've seen patients, they do get very distressed. And it can be distressing when you have people and loved ones who are in your corner. But when you're going through a chronic illness, for example, such as fibromyalgia, it can be very isolating, you know, when no one really gets it. And oftentimes what I've found is that some patients, they bring in their family member to the medical visit. And although now because of COVID, there's many restrictions and some hospitals and medical clinics have different policies, I find that they will bring them in either through a video conference call and their family member or loved one will be present virtually during the visit, or they may actually bring them in for the visit and hear from the doctor. Sometimes they need to hear that professional guidance from the medical professional because the patient may explain it to them a certain way and they won't understand it. So I find that that really helps. And also showing them the proof of what their condition is. Well, this is what it is. And and although that may not always help, I find, I find that what is very effective is when they bring them into the medical visit. I'm Billy Branham talking with Susan Rodriguez and Pamela Paquette about living with chronic illness and ways to cope with it. This is Closer Look. Now, Pam, someone living with a chronic health issue, we kind of touched on this when we talked about misconceptions, may face some frustration from family members or friends. What advice would you give to those people? Um, I think, you know, I, I probably said it before, but we really don't want them to understand, the. you know, we get their frustration, but if they understood that meant they were walking in our shoes. And so I think the frustration is, is just natural. And so I don't know that there's any really great advice other than to know that God really does understand. He's walking with us in our illness. He's walking with us when our friends and family don't believe that, you know, I'm too tired. I can't or whatever it is, and I have to say no again. 
And he's with us. And I, that is really something we hang on to. And how would one then address that? Well, I, I think maybe, you know, when we talk about friends and family who don't really understand, right, there's that frustration sometimes. The thing is, our family and friends really often don't understand how we feel and certainly don't experience what we're experiencing. But if we're honest, we really don't want them to because that would mean they're sick too. So I guess my bigger answer is whether or not our loved ones ever understand, God always does and he's always with us. Yeah. And I know some people are skeptics or might say, you know, just pray it away. Well, while it's great to pray, it's also a little, I think, insensitive for those who are living with these illnesses. So what is the best way to handle that type of situation? Well, I'm not sure there's really a best way to handle this type of situation. But one idea that's really struck me very powerfully is the golden rule. And the voice translation has really broadened my perspective. Luke 6.31 says this, think of the kindness you wish others would show you. Do the same for them. The word kindness sort of provides a new insight how any of us might respond to words that hurt. What I'm most struck by is what that verse doesn't say. It doesn't say that we necessarily receive kindness, but to think about the kindness we'd wish, we'd wish to receive and just to give that. So kindness, I think, is the only thing that I've found that is helpful in those difficult situations. What tools do we have to lean on? Uh, A lot of people listening might say, well, I'm new to faith or I don't understand how, you know, faith can play a role in helping me feel better and deal with chronic illness. Well, you know, before I guess I can really talk about tools, I want to take just a little step back and say, you know, chronic joys tools grew from our own understanding of what it means to lose hope and to no longer serve in ways we once loved and to really struggle with faith and chronic illness happening all at once, right? The things that we longed for and couldn't find, we continue to develop those things even today. So some examples, we have biblically-based studies specifically designed for those affected by pain and illness. I'm particularly fond of the very first book in the series, Discovering Hope. Then there are lots of creative ways to get involved and serving ideas, things like connect by text, service in a box, becoming a contributing writer, artist, and our voices of chronic joy who record our audio for our posts and pen to paper. This one is nearest and dearest to my heart and the one chronic joy eagerly. I mean, we look forward to this each quarter. We send beautifully designed old school snail mail packets to those in our community extending hope and an easy opportunity to serve others by sending their own words of encouragement on their free flat cards and clothes. This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham, talking about living with chronic illness and ways to cope with it. Joining me is Pamela Paquette and Susan Rodriguez. And Susan, what if someone was just diagnosed with a chronic illness? So the first step that I would recommend is really understand what is your condition. You know, oftentimes a patient maybe will visit their primary care doctor for a routine checkup and suddenly they find out that they have high blood pressure or they have diabetes. And now what's next? What do I do? What does this even mean? I would say go to trusted sources first. And of course, you speak to the person who diagnosed you and then you can do your own research and gain a better understanding of what it is that you're diagnosed with. What is your chronic condition? What does this mean? 
what are your next steps that you will take in order to better handle and manage your condition? This oftentimes helps patients feel more empowered and helps them feel like they have a voice because they've educated themselves. Another step I would recommend is finding the right provider. Depending if you're diagnosed with diabetes, you may want to find an endocrinologist or maybe your primary care doctor would be able to manage it. It's about having that conversation. And how do you find the right provider for you? Some patients, they will go to a trusted teaching hospital or they can call their insurance company. I've also found that some of my chronic illness patients, they may belong to certain support groups. They will speak to various support group members that have the same condition that they have, and they will also, via word of mouth, obtain these recommendations. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up support groups. A lot of times that primary care doctor doesn't always have that kind of information. If a doctor or even a nurse were listening right now, how would you encourage them to maybe pair the two, people who come in for certain diseases and the support groups that are out there? Many teaching hospitals, depending on what the condition is, uh, they do have certain support groups already in place. So it's also a matter of the patient asking and also the doctor or the nurse also being well-versed around what's available to patients around that diagnosis at the hospital. However, there are many other disease-specific support groups. Um, If you have an autoimmune condition, there are also more general support groups and you can research that online. Different diagnosis, there may be certain foundations and by calling the foundation, for example, if you have arthritis or an inflammatory arthritis, you can research that information and you can call the foundation uh, that's associated with your diagnosis. Let's talk about mindfulness and based intervention, how that can help. Absolutely. I mean, mindfulness in general, it's known to reduce stress, reduce anxiety. It helps you stay present and in the moment. Mindfulness-based practices have been around for centuries. My experience with mindfulness, I have my personal experience and I have experience running support groups around mindfulness-based practices and workshops around that. I find that patients that have chronic conditions and are experiencing pain and are experiencing the cognitive and the social-emotional aspects of pain and of isolation, uh, they find mindfulness activities to be extremely effective. It allows them to stay very present and in the moment. It's definitely a positive distraction from what they are currently experiencing, you know, from their current pain, from the worry that goes with, will I ever get better? Is this going to go away? So oftentimes patients, they may tend to constantly ruminate on the fact that they can't get better or I just can't stop thinking about how much it hurts or I'm afraid something serious might happen. And By practicing mindfulness and meditative practices and mindful breathing and staying in the moment, it provides them a sense of control. You know, they feel like they can stop and pause and enjoy that moment and focus on their breath. It provides them a sense of hope and and strength in the moment. And it can also help reduce, and there's a lot of research on that, on the intensity of their pain. 
I can speak from experience about the chronic part of it. This past year, I had almost six months of hive situation with no relief and doctors trying to figure out what was happening. Thankfully, I don't have that anymore. But man, the psychological impact of living with something like that, it really takes its toll. Absolutely. It really does. It affects us in so many ways, psychologically, cognitively, emotionally, physically, completely affects our well-being. Well, let's really talk about then if living with a chronic illness means that people can't have a typical life, going to school, going to work. They can have a typical life. However, when they're first diagnosed, it may feel like their world is upside down. In my experience, oftentimes patients just may avoid talking about their feelings because they want to focus on the physical and on getting better. And they may ignore the emotional aspect, but my recommendation is that it all goes together. You know, they're all overlapping and you can't ignore one and focus on the other. You need to work on them together as a whole. That's a conversation to initially have with your doctor or that person you trust if you have a therapist or you may need a therapist. And when I say therapist, I mean a person who's, who's licensed and trained in mental health counseling. I oftentimes find that when patients don't ignore that, you know, and oftentimes patients may already have a chronic mental health condition and then they're diagnosed with a chronic medical condition. In that instance, then their mental health condition may exacerbate, you know, because they may feel more anxious, more worry. They may feel more depressed. And these are very important conversations to have with your treating doctor and your psychiatrist if you're seeing one and or your mental health therapist. This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham, talking with Pamela Paquette and Susan Rodriguez about living with chronic illnesses, even thriving. So then, Susan, are medications something that always should be considered? You know, it all depends on what chronic illness you are living with. There are some chronic illnesses that may not have a cure. And and because it doesn't have a cure, it doesn't mean that it's not treatable, that you cannot treat the symptoms. Right. For example, fibromyalgia, as we were talking about earlier, there may not be a cure for fibromyalgia. However, there are steps, there are many treatments in place that a patient can benefit from, such as be the anesthesia neurologist or a rheumatologist for that. And what's also recommended in conjunction with fibromyalgia would be maybe seeing a clinical psychologist or social worker and talking to somebody about what they're experiencing. Some medical conditions such as diabetes may need treatment and not always patients are amenable to taking medications. They may feel strongly about that for various reasons. May It may be cultural reasons. It's related to their health beliefs. In my experience working in the medical field for many years as a social worker in various medical settings, I've experienced that oftentimes patients may not be open to having these discussions with their doctors because they feel that their doctors may not understand where they're coming from and may not agree with it. Some patients want to recur to alternative medications. And that's fine as long as you have this discussion with your doctor and you don't hide it from them. 
Sometimes patients want to be the good patient and not share. However, in turn, that may hurt them instead of helping them. And when I say hurt them, it may impact their chronic illness. It may exacerbate some symptoms if they're not in close communication with their doctor about what their decision is about taking medication and the treatment options. And Pam, this one's for you. Let's talk about kids who have chronic illness. How does that impact families? There's a bigger part of it. I think we have to talk about that the parents with sick kids are so very weary and they really are struggling to advocate for their kids and maintain some level of home life and some kind of normalcy for their well siblings. And really a chronically ill child affects each family and every family member differently. One of the things that we've noticed is often even the well siblings experience survivor's guilt. And my goodness, not to mention, I mean, like the significant financial impact on families with sick kids. And Susan, there are a lot of people taking care of people with chronic illnesses. What is the impact of that? Sure. You know, I just I just want to highlight that being a caretaker for someone who you love, for example, your spouse or your parents or your child, your children, is very profound and can be very, very rewarding. However, it can also play a toll on their mental health, on their physical health. I've found that caretakers oftentimes will not have time to go to their own medical appointments because they're so overwhelmed and caring for their loved one who's living with a chronic condition and they won't make that time. Oftentimes, they don't have that outlet of speaking to somebody. Um, They may feel that they're being selfish if they take time for themselves because their loved one needs them. There's so many resources available for caretakers. There's caretaker support groups. For example, if your loved one is living with cancer, there's so many foundations and organizations available to caretakers. And for many various medical conditions, there are caretaker support groups. I've had caretakers of my previous patients who've attended these support groups and they've been able to find, you know, a a commonality. They've been able to feel like they belong and that, wow, I'm not alone, you know, and it's okay to feel overwhelmed and not feel guilty about it. In what ways can someone living with a chronic illness cope and even thrive? So many different ways of coping and not one particular way is the right way and everyone copes very differently. It's being mindful and just being present and in the moment that although you do have a chronic condition, it doesn't mean that there's no hope and it doesn't mean that there's nothing, that there's no supports available to you. Oftentimes some patients, they may not want to share what they're going through. They may feel embarrassed. They may feel guilty if they feel that their chronic condition was brought on because of certain risk behaviors, and they may just isolate themselves, and it will impact their mental health eventually. And there's many different ways to cope, exercising. And I just want to highlight that exercising, because you have a chronic condition, it doesn't mean that you can't exercise. Everyone experiences their chronic condition very differently and exercise as long as you talk to your healthcare provider and you listen to your body. It's amazing for your overall health and well-being. Also, being able to open up to somebody, as I mentioned, who you can speak to about your chronic condition or about, you know, your worries. 
if you feel that if, if a patient feels that they can't trust somebody in their lives because they feel that they will be judged or looked at very differently, I would recommend talking to your doctor about locating a mental health professional who you can speak to about your chronic condition. There are licensed mental health professionals out there that specialize in chronic illness and chronic pain. And you can also call your insurance who can help you filter around locating a mental health professional, which is really important when you're living with a chronic condition. And as I've mentioned, and we'll stress, it can be very isolating because you feel different and it affects your identity as well. I I would recommend, aside from talking to somebody, being able to ask for help, even if it's little things, if it's a day that you're really not feeling well and maybe there's a neighbor that you can say, hey, would you mind picking up a gallon of milk from the store downstairs or can you bring me my mail or can you pick up my medications or just being able to communicate that to others without maybe fully disclosing exactly what you're going through, but just being able to ask for help is huge, especially when, when you never had to ask for help before. Now your role has changed and now you need to ask for help. It's really those little things sometimes that will help us in that moment of time. Also, as I mentioned earlier, mindfulness-based strategies is an excellent way to cope with your chronic condition and chronic pain. It's definitely a positive distraction. And if you're new to the world of mindfulness and meditative practices, uh, there's many online and web-based apps that you can download that are free. You can also go online and check on YouTube and you, you can get some examples of kind of where to begin and what that looks like. And my recommendation with that would be not having very high expectations. Like the first time you try it, you're going to see a huge difference. It takes time, you know, and over time, just having compassion for yourself. Sometimes it's easy to have compassion on others. Sometimes it's not easy to have it on ourselves. My recommendation would be to be present and show yourself love and compassion. It's okay. And even though you may be experiencing pain, it doesn't mean you can't show yourself love, right? Showing yourself love is taking care of your very basic needs, which sometimes we may take for granted. And Pamela, how can the churches, the faith community, support someone who has a chronic illness? Well, I really like 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. It says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So each and every one of us, including those of us with illness, have God-given gifts. Without even one, the body is incomplete. While we might not be able to serve in traditional or familiar ways, the Spirit has gifted each one of us with diverse and creative ways. And every single one, every single one is vital and purposed. Anything else that you want people to know about living with chronic illness? The thing that I think that is most important is to realize that part of the process of living with it is at some point coming to terms with some level of acceptance, whatever that looks like. But acceptance then opens the door for our faith to grow. Um, At first, we might look for cures, treatment plans, and those kinds of things. And they are important. But we are full beings, so it's not just our physical self that needs care. We also need to care for our spiritual self, you know, and our faith actually can grow so much in the midst of of chronic illness. 
because we tend to move a little slower and we have more time to pray. We have more time to turn to scripture. And that is where we ultimately always find hope because there is always hope, no matter how hard it is. Thank you so much, ladies. We have packed in a lot of information today. I truly appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to share. Thank you so much for inviting us. It was really a gift. Thanks once again to my guests, Pamela Paquette, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Chronic Joy Ministry, and Susan Rodriguez, Practicing Licensed Clinical Social Worker at Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. For Closer Look, I'm Billy Branham.